0: Chapter 1 of the Spanish Brothers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kayla. The Spanish Brothers by Deborah Allock. Chapter 1. Boyhood. Starting with, quote, A boy's will is the wind's will, and the thoughts of youth are long, long thoughts. Longfellow. On one of the green slopes of the Sierra Morena, shaded by a few cork-trees, and with wild craggy heights and bare-brown wastes stretching far above, there stood about the middle of the sixteenth century a castle, even then old and rather dilapidated. It had once been a strong place, but was not very spacious, and certainly, according to our modern ideas of comfort, the interior could not have been a particularly comfortable dwelling-place a large proportion of it was occupied by the great hall which was hung with faded well-repaired tapestry and furnished with oaken tables settles and benches very elaborately carved but bearing evident marks of age. narrow unglazed slits in the thick walls admitted the light and air and beside one of these on a gloomy autumn morning two boys stood together watching the rain that poured down without intermission they were dressed exactly alike in loose jackets of blue cloth homespun indeed but so fresh and neatly fashioned as to look more becoming than many a costlier dress their long stockings were of silk and their cuffs and wide shirt frills of fine holland carefully starched and plaited the elder a very handsome lad who looked fourteen at least but was really a year younger had raven hair black sparkling eager eyes good but strongly marked features and a complexion originally dark and well tanned by exposure to sun and wind a broader forehead wider nostrils and a weaker mouth distinguished the more delicate-looking younger brother whose hair was also less dark and his complexion fairer rain rain will it rain forever? cried in a tone of impatience the elder whose name was juan or rather his proper style and title and very angry would he have felt had any part been curtailed or omitted was don juan rodrigo alvarez de Santillo y Menaya. he was of the purest blood in spain by the father's side of noble castilian lineage by the mothers of an ancient austrian family he well knew it and proudly he held up his head in consequence in spite of poverty and of what was still worse, the mysterious blight that had fallen on the name and fortunes of his house, bringing poverty in its train as the least of its attendant evils, rising early will not make the daylight come sooner, nor watching bring the sunshine, said the quick-witted Carlos, who, after learning whatever he heard, was already adept at proverbial philosophy, which was then and is now the inheritance of his race, true enough so let us fetch the canes and have a merry play or better still the foils for a fencing match carlos acquiesced readily though apparently without pleasure in all outward things such as choice of pursuits and games juan was an unquestioned leader carlos never dreamed of disputing this fiat yet in other and really more important matters it was carlos who quite unconsciously to himself performed the part of guide to his stronger-willed but less thoughtful brother juan now fetched the carefully guarded foils with which the boys were accustomed to practise fencing either as now simply for their own amusement or under the instructions of the gray-haired diego who had served with their father in the emperor's wars who was now mayordomo butler and senescal all in one he was moreover from whom carlos had learned his store of proverbs now stand up oh you are too low wait a moment juan left the hall again but quickly returned with a large, heavy volume, which he threw on the floor, directing his brother to take his stand upon it. Carlos hesitated. But what if the fray should catch us using his great Horace after such a fashion? I just wish he might," answered Juan, with a mischievous sparkle in his black eyes. The matter of height being thus satisfactorily adjusted, the game began, and for some time went merrily forward. To do the elder brother justice, he gave every advantage to his less active and less skilful companion often shouting with very unnecessary exertion to his lungs, words of direction or warning about fore-thrusts, side-thrusts, back-hand strokes, hitting and parrying. At last, however, in an unlucky moment, Carlos, through some awkward movement of his own, in violation of the rules of the game, received a blow on the cheek from his brother's foil, severe enough to make his blood flow. Quan instantly sprang forwards, full of vexation, with an, "'Aye, then me!' on his lips. But Carlos turned away from him, covering his face with both hands, and Quan, much to his disgust, soon heard the sound of a heavy sob. "'You little coward!' he exclaimed, to weep for a blow. "'Shame! Shame upon you! Coward yourself to call me ill names when I cannot fight you!' retorted Carlos, as soon as he could speak for weeping. "'That is ever your way, little tearful, you to talk of going to find our father, brave man that would make to sail to the Indies and fight the savages.' better sit at home and spin with mother dolores far too deeply stung to find a proverb suited for the occasion or indeed to make any answer whatever carlos still in tears left the hall with hasty footsteps and took refuge in a small apartment that opened into it the hangings of this room were comparatively new and very beautiful being tastefully wrought with the needle and the furniture was much more costly than in the hall there was also a glazed window and near this carlos took his stand looking moodily out on the falling rain and thinking hard thoughts of his brother who had hurt him so sorely then called him a coward and at last and far worst of all had taunted him with his unfitness for the task which child as he was his whole heart and soul were bent on attempting but he could not quarrel very seriously with juan nor indeed could he for any considerable time do without him before long his anger began to give way to utter loneliness and discomfort and a great longing to be friends again nor was juan much more comfortable though he had told himself he was quite right to reprove his brother sharply for his lack of manliness and that he would be ready to die for shame if carlos when he went to Seville should disgrace himself before his cousins by crying when he was hurt like a baby or a girl it is true that in his heart he rather wished he himself had held his peace or at least had spoken more gently but he braved it out and stamped up and down the hall, singing in a cheery a voice as he could command. The Cid rode through the horseshoe gate, Omega-like it stood, a symbol of the moon that waned before the Christian rude. He was all sheathed in golden mail, his cloak was white as shroud, his visor down, his sword in sheath. corpse still he rode and proud. Rui, Carlos called at last, just a little timidly from the next room, Rui ruy is the spanish diminutive of rodrigo juan's second name and the one by which for reasons of his own it pleased him best to be called so the very use of it by carlos was a kind of overture for peace juan came right gladly to the call and having convinced himself by a moment's inspection that his brother's hurt signified nothing he completed the reconciliation by putting his arm in familiar boyish fashion round his neck thus without a word spoken the brief quarrel was at an end it happened that the rain was over also and the sun just beginning to shine out again it was indeed an effect of the sunlight which had given carlos a pretext for calling juan to his side look ruy he said the sun shines on our father's words these children had a secret of their own carefully guarded and with the strange reticence of childhood even from dolores who had been the faithful nurse of their infancy and who still cast upon their young lives the only shadow of motherly love they had ever known A shadow it is true pale and faint yet the best thing that had fallen to their lot for even juan could remember neither parent while carlos had never seen his father's face and his mother had died at his birth yet it happened that in the imaginary world which the children had created around them and where they chiefly lived their unknown father was by far the most important personage all great nations in their childhood gave their legends their epics written or unwritten and their hero one or many of them upon whose exploits fancy rings its changes at will during the ages when national language literature and character are in process of development so it is with individuals children of imagination especially if they are brought up in seclusion and guarded from coarse and worldly companionship are sure to have their legends perhaps their unwritten epic certainly their hero nor are these dreams of childhood idle fancies in our time they are good and beautiful gifts of god healthful for the present helpful for after years there is deep truth in the poet's words when thou art a man reverence the dreams of thy youth the cid campeador and charlemagne and the king arthur of our youthful spanish brothers was no other than don juan alvarez de menaya second and last conde de nuera and as the historical foundation of national romance is apt to be the slightest Nay, the testimony of credible history is often ruthlessly set at defiance. So it is with the romances of children. Nor did the present instance form any exception. All the world said that their father's bones lay bleaching on the wild Aracuñan battlefield, but this went for nothing in the eyes of Juan and Carlos Alvarez. Quite enough to build their childish faith upon was the confidential whisper of Dolores when she thought them sleeping to the village barber-surgeon who was helping her to tend them through some childish malady dead would to all the saints and the blessed queen of heaven that we only had assurance of it they had however more than this almost every day they read and re-read those mysterious words traced with a diamond by their father's hand as it never entered their heads to doubt on the window of the room which had once been his favorite place to retire el dorado yo he trovado I have found el dorado no eyes but their own had ever noticed this inscription and marvellous indeed was the superstructure their fancy contrived to raise on the slight and airy foundation of its enigmatical five words they had heard from the lips of diego many of the fables current at the period about the golden country of which spanish adventurers dreamed so widely and which they sought so vainly in the new world They were aware that their father in his early days had actually made a voyage to the indies and they had thoroughly persuaded themselves therefore of nothing less than that he was the fortunate discoverer of el dorado and he had returned thither and was reigning there as a king rich and happy only perhaps longing for his brave boys to come and join him and join him one day they surely would even though unheard of dangers of which giants twelve feet high and fiery dragons things in which they quite believed were among the least, might lie in their way, thick as the leaves of cork-trees, when the autumn wind swept through the mountain gorges. "'Look, Ruiz, said Carlos, "'the light is on our father's words.' "'So it is. What good fortune is coming now? Something always comes to us when they look like that.' "'What do you wish for most?' "'A new bow, and a set of real arrows, tipped with steel. And you?' "'Well, the Chronicles of the Cid, I think.' I should like that, too. But I should like better still— What? That of Sebastian would fall ill of room, and find the mountaineer too cold for his health, or get some kind of good place at his beloved complutum. We might go farther and fare worse, like those who go to look for better bread than wheaten. <laughs> returned Carlos, laughing. Wish again, Juan, and truly this time your wish of wishes. What else but to find my father? I mean next to that. Well, truly, to go once more to Seville. To see the shops and the BULL-FIGHTS and the great church, to tilt with our cousins and dance the cachuca with Dona Beatrice. That would not I there be folk that go out for wool and come home shorn. Though I like Dona Beatrice as well as any other. Hush, here comes Olores. A tall, slender woman, robed in black serge, relieved by a neat white headdress, entered the room. Dark hair threaded with silver and pale, sunken, care worn features, made her look older than she really was. She had once been beautiful, and it seemed as though her beauty had been burned up in the glare of some fierce agony, rather than had been faded gradually beneath the suns of passing years. With the silent strength of a deep, passionate heart that had nothing else left to cling to, Dolores loved the children of her idolized mistress and foster-sister. It was chiefly her talent and energy that kept together the poor remains of their fortune. She surrounded them with as many inexpensive comforts as possible still like a true spaniard she would at any moment have sacrificed their comfort to the maintenance of their rank or the due upholding of their dignity on this occasion she held an open letter in her hand young gentlemen she said using the formal style of address no familiarity even introduced her to drop i bring your worship's good tidings your noble uncle don manuel is about to honour your castle with his presence good tidings indeed i am as glad as if you had given me a satin doublet he may take us back with him to seville cried juan he might have stayed at home with good luck and my blessing murmured carlos whether you go to seville or no Señor don juan said dolores gravely may very probably deepen on your contentment you give your noble uncle respecting your progress in your latin your grammar and your other humanities green fig for my noble uncle's contentment said juan irrelevantly i know already as much as any gentleman need and ten times more than he does himself ah truly in carlos coming forward from the embrasure of the window my uncle thinks a man of learning except he be a fellow of college perchance not worth his ears full of water i heard him say such only trouble the world and bring sorrow in themselves and all their kin so juan it is you who are likely to find favour in his sight after all senor don carlos what ails your face As Dolores noticing now for the first time the marks of the hurt he had received both boys spoke together "'Only a blow caught in fencing, all through my own awkwardness. "'It is nothing,' said Carlos eagerly. "'I hurt him with my foil. It was a mischance. "'I am very sorry,' said Juan, putting his hand on his brother's shoulder. Lolita wisely abstained from exhorting them to greater carefulness. "'She only said, "'Young gentlemen who mean to be knights and captains must learn to give hard blows and take them.' "'Adding mentally, "Bless the lads, may they stand by each other as loyally ten or twenty years hence as they do now.'" End of chapter 1